back and find your seats. God is so good. All right, well, welcome and good morning again. Uh, it's already been an amazing time this morning, hasn't it? Uh, God is good. Amen. All the time. And all the time. You know Irene's in the room now. All right. Uh, two announcements that didn't make the bulletin. We have so much going on, but I want to make sure you knew about. Um, this Saturday is our monthly men's gathering at 9 a.m., so if you are a man or a young man, you are welcome and wanted at 9 a.m. here in, in, in this very room. And uh, I believe there's some light breakfast provided um, fellowship and lots of Jesus. Um, following that at 10 a.m. in this same room uh, is an opportunity for what we call soaking, just to uh, spend time in the presence of God. They put on music. The room is open to spend time with the Lord. It's not a directed time of prayer. It's just a set-aside place to be with the Lord. Um, and, uh, you know, anytime you set a time, a time and space to be with Jesus, he will meet you. Promise. Uh, all right. Sorry. Announcements part two is over. Um, we're going to get into the Word of God. Amen. If you have a Bible, we'd love for you to get it out. Or if you'd like to look on a device, you can get your device out. Um, we'll be looking at a couple passages, but we'll start in Luke chapter 11. Now, if you don't have something to look at, we will have the passages up here uh, on the screen for you to follow along as well. A couple weeks ago, um, Marvin uh, preached on the worth of Jesus. Uh, and then uh, just following that, we began this series on the way of Jesus. Um, and this is going to lead us right up to this series on the way of Jesus. It's going to lead us up to our G new Jesus Revolution conference coming up next month. All right, here November 3rd through 5th. Uh, definitely want you to be here for that. Um, but we started this um, two weeks ago on, on the way of Jesus. And uh, so we're just going to continue on the story of what Jesus taught his disciples here in Luke chapter 11. Um, whereas last time we talked about um, the way of Jesus being leading us to relate to God as Father, um, what we'll be talking today about is Jesus leading us in the way of family. I'm really excited to, to dive into this today. I feel like the Lord has already been uh, moving and speaking in our midst. Um, we're going to take a moment to pray. Um, but I really believe um, that this reality is something the Lord is fighting for us in. Um, and I just say that to encourage you, but also to, to get your ears pricked. Um, last night I was, uh, my wife and I watched this movie. It was sort of war-related, so if you're not into that, I'm sorry. Um, it was really good and redemptive. But, and so the scenes were kind of playing in my mind as I'm going to bed, and I felt the Holy Spirit sort of whisper in my ear because um, I was sort of seeing a scene where, like, you know, and we love the good and bad. Okay, we'll, we'll make it what we like. We like when the, the bad guys lose and the good guys win, right? So there's a scene where, like, a, couple of, uh, a whole mess of the bad guys get knocked out um, with guns. Um, but uh, so I, that scene is replaying in my mind, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, the word of God tomorrow is going to be like those bullets, and they're going to take out the work of the enemy that's been working against us. So my faith is real high um, for the Lord to take out the ways that that, because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, but I'm so glad that the word of God is a weapon that takes out the enemy, that we don't even have to do the fighting, that the Lord fights for us, amen. 
Um, so as we pray, let's, let's believe God to do what only he can do. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that as we gather, you're right here in the midst of us. Uh, we ask as we look to the word that you release to our hearts, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you cause us to know you better. God, that you lead us in the way of Jesus. And yes, we pray that your word, as it says, would be like a hammer um, that breaks things that need to be broken and like a fire that consumes everything that can be consumed. God, we do pray that you would do your work to fight for us as individuals and as family today, that you would take out the work of the enemy and set us free in Jesus' name. If you agree, you could say amen. Amen. So we're diving in here on um, Luke chapter 11, and I'm tempted to like recap everything I said two weeks ago, but I'm not, to be fair to us in our time in today's message. But if you weren't here when we talked about the way of Jesus leading us to know God as Father, go listen to it. It's on our website. Uh, from two weeks ago, it's on our YouTube, Facebook. You can find it. Um, and so important to know God as Father. It will free you in so many ways. Um, but what we did looking at Luke chapter 11, and I should just read it, right? Luke chapter 11, we're just going to read the first two verses, and this may be very familiar to you, um, but let's read it anyways. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 2, and now it came to pass as he, Jesus obviously, was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to stop there. It's very uh, familiar, hopefully, to you. But I want to challenge you with this thought that what they were looking for that day wasn't just to learn more words to pray. They already had those in their culture. They, they had learned prayers from the time they were children and could speak. What they were looking for from Jesus, I believe, and I said this last time, um, was what made his way of life different. Why was he so different from everyone and everything they had seen? Because there were plenty of rabbis, plenty of teachings over many generations in the synagogue of the day. But Jesus' life was completely different. And here he is off alone with the Father. And as he comes back, they say, Jesus, whatever it is you got, we want it. And I believe what Jesus did that day in teaching them this was opening up not just a way to pray, but the way to live. The way to live as a follower and a friend of God. The way to live as a son of God, because that's the way Jesus lived on the planet Earth. Does that make sense? He was walking as a human being in perfect relation with God, his Father, right? And so he's opening up the doorway to say, you can live this way too. This is actually why I came so you could live this way too. And so what we unpacked last time was just the first two words. And guess what? We're going to stay in the first two words today, um, talking about our Father in heaven. And, and so we talked last time about Father. But what you may not notice here, uh, you know, in, in this phrase, you know, I would like you to take notice of one simple, simple little word there in how he's teaching them to relate to God is to relate to God as our Father in heaven. Did you ever take notice of that little bitty word there that changes the whole dynamic of it? He didn't say, when I go to pray, I pray to my Father. 
And when you go to pray, you should pray to your father. That's real. That's a reality. But what he wanted to impart to us through them vicariously was that every time we come to God, every time we relate to God, we need to realize something. It's not just us. That we're a part of something much bigger, much grander, a holy vision that God has for not just singular individual people that want to know God. We like that idea. We're American. We're Westerners. It's me and Jesus, and we got it going on, and me and Jesus are good. Um, but to realize every time we relate to God, we come as a part of a family. That we're a part of something bigger and holy. When and as we relate to God, our connection with his holy family changes the way we relate to him and the way we relate to one another. Is this making sense? This one little important word changes everything. Like I said before, these guys knew prayers that they learned from their childhood, and, and most of them would relate to God in those prayers the way they were taught as Lord God Almighty, things like that, creator of all. And here it's so personal saying Father, but it's corporate when we say it's our Father. And that we, we become very aware that we are, one, intimately related to God, but that we're not alone. We're not alone. We belong to a people. We belong to his people, a very special, holy, unique, set-apart, and chosen people, the family of God. And the original, this was God's original design for the ministry of Jesus. Do you know what it was? That the Father would have a family. There's another side, too, that the Son would have a bride. That's a message for another day. But the father would have a family. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. If, again, if you don't have a place to look, it's going to be right up here. And this is John's gospel opening, giving us the story of history of what was happening when Jesus came into the world. And John chapter 1 verse 9 says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now you all know the answer to the question, who is that? Sunday school answer, Jesus. Okay. Um, <laughs> He, thank you for the giggle, Melissa, I needed that. Uh, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Maybe you've heard these words before, but stick with me. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Speaking of the nation of Israel at the time. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, that's us. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision, not of a husband's will, but born of God. And so when you come to faith in Jesus, the moment you come to faith in Jesus, you're born again, you instantly belong to the family of God. You've instantly been adopted into the family of God. Is that making sense? Now, you may not have asked for that. You may not have wanted that, but it is what it is. Family. It's family. And it's a reality we didn't choose, but we've been adopted right in, and it's actually such an incredible privilege and an honor to be adopted into the family of Almighty God. Amen? It's, it, it, the thing about it that's it's tricky is we don't get to choose who's in the family. <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't choose them, they didn't choose you. So it's kind of equal and already decided. Our part as in this family is to what it, learn what it means to live and to love the family we've been brought into. Is that making sense? Our biggest problem many times is that we don't, we don't know how. Or we're acting like orphans. Because we don't know we've been brought into this family. But thank God, he is a father. He always has been and always will be, not part-time, but full-time. And he is about the business of helping us live and love in the family of God. That's good news. I was actually, and I think this is so important, as much as um, God being father has the power to answer so many cultural issues we face today. Family does as well. The family of God. I was listening to um, a podcast, actually, and there was a medical professional on there, and she was talking about how she's doing an actual study where she can quantify that one of our greatest health crises, because it affects not just our mental health, but our emotional and physical health, is loneliness. There's an epidemic, though we may be the most connected uh, generation to ever walk the planet, we're the, also the most lonely, the most disconnected. And one of her very, very interesting um, postulations, theories, that she has evidence for is that one of the best antidotes for the epidemic of loneliness in our society is being a part of church. She didn't say being part of a healthy family or a community or a social institution. She said, she says one of the best antidotes to the loneliness of our day is being part of the family of God. That's powerful. That's powerful. Um, and it's not just about, but it starts with just when you show up here. You know, a couple times a month when you decide to show up. Uh, that's good for you. And it helps you. And it may be delivering you whether you know it or not. But it's also more about the connection, the engagement we can have, and why the church? Well, because it's not, again, not just about a social reality, it's a spiritual reality that we share, that we, it's beyond what we can see. Church engagement keeps us connected. We are a part of a family. We're a part of God's family. We're a part of something bigger, and that matters, and you matter as a part of the family. And this family we're a part of, we sang about today, is every nation. It's every tribe, it's every tongue, and it's every generation. And I get more excited the more we, we, we express that even in this room. But we got to know the family extends way beyond these four walls, right? Um, way beyond, to every corner of the earth, there are people who name the name of Jesus who are part of this family because of the Spirit of God within us. We are made to be together. We function best and are most healthy when we are a part of the family of God. Because it's, it's a supernatural family. It's beyond our natural abilities. And we're not perfect right? Because what's made up of us, it's you and me, you know, and so it's just about as perfect as we are. But the good news is 
Our Father is consistently working in us to make us like Him and to perfect us in love. So we may look around at times and feel like, man, what a ragtag bunch. But what brings us together is the most important thing, and it's Him. We have a good, good Father in the midst of us. We have Jesus, our elder brother, and here's the, the amazing piece the peace you can't see, that we have one good father and we have Jesus, our elder brother, who's made a way for us by faith, we also share the same Holy Spirit. And this is the thing that binds us together, that we can't see, that connects us to people on the other side of the planet forever. We need each other. We're made for one another. We're made for this. And we will be together forever. This is just practice on this side of heaven you know, I had another interesting side note thought. Um, in my experience, um, people who are in recovery from addiction are really most self-aware about this stuff. Um, you know, they understand they can't do it on their own. <laughs> they, they, they know they need God's power, and they recognize when I'm triggered and tempted to self-medicate, I need to reach out to a person. I mean, I think we all need to consider ourselves in recovery. And then we might get it more right. Do you know what I'm saying? So most of us aren't that self-aware. We get triggered, we self-medicate, we isolate, and we go down spirals. And though we may not have a substance we're attached to, we all have our own hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Don't we? That's a phrase I heard somewhere that stuck with me. Well, that's because hey, we're all in recovery and getting to know Jesus hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and we need to understand a couple of important things. We can't do this on our own. And there we are in times when we struggle, we're in crisis, and we're tempted to get triggered and self-medicate, and what you need to do in those moments is reach out to somebody in the family of God. Reach out to God, reach out to somebody. Amen? Um, this is sort of a, a, a mini-revelation I had this week. The problem about this many times when we think about the family of God or church is like we want church to be like our best friend group. Am I right? We want the people to look like us, act like us, like the same music, talk like this, um, share the same politics, be in the same life stage. If you're my age, we're doing the same. Then we can relate. So it'll be really good. And in our dream, that's like the people we want to be a part of. We want all the people that look just like us, act like us. So then we can relate. It's so easy. You know, we just like vibe. And it'd be so easy to get along. Now, friend groups are awesome. I love friends group, but family is different. Family is not that. Um, I used to tell one of my kids, you know, friends are awesome, but friends come and go. Family is forever. And it's about priority. It's about you don't get to choose your family. You're born in or you're adopted in, as we all have been. And family is family. Wherever you go, whatever you do, family's family. Um, and sometimes that idea of family is in our favor because, you know, and maybe even the general idea of family can, can be triggering if your family environment wasn't so great. Um, the truth is, no matter how great your family environment may have been, it wasn't perfect. And, and we all experience pain in our family uh, environments that, that lead us to a place where we need healing. And just as um, we, we all long for, even though if our fathers were so good in our homes, um, every person longs for a perfect father. 
I believe it's ingrained. We all know. You don't have to tell anyone what, what would be the best kind of dad. We can all make a list. And nobody had to teach us that. You know why? Because we're made for one. We're made for our father. We're made for our heavenly father. And the pain we experience in life and in our uh, natural upbringing families at many times, I believe, is the same. It's meant to lead us to what's better, what's higher, what's being perfected, the family of God. I believe um, whether our, the gap between the perfection of God and, and our family is this big or this big, the gap is to lead us to him. The gap is to lead us into connection with one another. The gap is for us to realize we can't do it on our own. We're created for him, but we're also created for family. Is this making sense? So even if we don't think alike sometimes or we get on one another's nerves and sometimes we misunderstand one another, we're still family. And that matters. We've been joined together with one unbreakable bond called the Holy Spirit on the inside of all of us. But also, we've been brought in by an unbreakable bond of the blood of Jesus. So when we relate to God, as we walk through this life and walk in the way of Jesus, we we need to understand that, yes, he's always with us. He's near us. He's providing for us. He's healing us as a father. But that in knowing him also... He's connected to his family. We are a people, not just a person. So what does that mean? You know, we, we relate to God, understanding we are intricately interwoven with how we relate to his people, how we relate to one another. But what does it mean to be a family is you belong no matter what. You have a purpose because of the one who adopted you in. You're needed. And, and so how we relate to God is, is interrelated with how we relate to one another. I want to look at another passage. 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, maybe, maybe familiar, but let's look at it. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Again, it's up here if you're like, I can't find it that fast. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. What about us? What about this family? But you are. You are. A chosen people. There's so much here we can't unpack. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. you got to believe that for yourself and for us. Why? That you may declare the praises of him. Now, what did he do? Who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Verse 10. How did we get here? Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that changes everything. How many of you know you've received mercy? That you got from God what you never could have earned or deserved. Anyone? I have received mercy. Have you? We, now we have received mercy. And this is who we are. The ones who have received mercy. We're the ones who once were lost, but now we're found. We once were in darkness. I'm just rereading what we said. We once were in darkness. Now we are in the light. Once we had not received mercy, do you know what that actually means? You're under the wrath of God. 
Once you were under the wrath of God, but now you have received mercy. And the wrath of God is gone off of your life. That's enough to give a shout of hallelujah, you know what I'm saying? This is who we are. Salvation is amazing. Grace is amazing. And mercy of God does not make sense. But if we can say hallelujah and shout and understand this is who I am. I'm not that anymore. I'm over here. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Then we have to understand and look across the aisle and understand not only have I received mercy, you received mercy. And I didn't deserve it. And you didn't deserve it either. And if I've received mercy and you receive mercy, then we have to be mercy to one another. And if the wrath of God has been lifted from me, then the wrath of me needs to be lifted from you. Is that making sense? If God's not judging, holding against me all of my faults and wrongdoings, then what right do I have to hold against you? Freely I've received. Freely I give. Actually, that's what we're commanded to do. Freely you have received. Freely you will give. This is who we are. Family means mercy, a people. Family is identity. I talked about that. It's belonging. But the code of family, the, the culture of family is one thing. And here's we're going to wrap it up. It's love. And we've been talking around it. But this is the reality. The code of family is love. They will know you're mine because of your love. Right? Jesus said that about us. They'll know you follow me. They'll know you're walking in the way of Jesus by the way you love. But then the, the question is, well, what, what does love look like? Well, I'll give you two passages. I'm going to read one. Philippians chapter 2, I'm not going to read, but go read it. Read it this week. That's what love looks like. That's how Jesus set aside his glory and took the lowest place, where he uh, preferred others above himself, Philippians 2. But it's also 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and that's what we're going to look at. But I want to tell you the context of this really quick before we get into it. Now, this is, first of all, writing to the church in the city of Corinth, if you didn't realize it. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Um, now, we know these passages about love in 1 Corinthians because they're very famous, as they should be. <laughs> um, but we put them on refrigerator magnets, and we quote them at weddings. But you need to know the context is it was sent to a church at war. It's a little different in that context, isn't it? You know, it's one thing on your fridge or the calendar. It's one thing at a wedding. Oh. It's another when people are fighting and biting and devouring one another for the Holy Spirit to scribe to them, let me give you the code for family. Let me give you the, the culture of family. And that, that's the context to which he was writing this passage. Okay? Are you ready? First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, if you're reading that with an honest and sincere heart and mind, that's really challenging. That is a tall order. Like, dang, not easily anger. No record of wrongs? Always hoping? Always trusting? Always? Pers- always? It's a big word, Jesus. That's exactly what it says. This is the family code. Love is the family code. And why? Because it was instituted by the Father. Check it, because this is who he is to you. This is how he treats you and me. He is patient. He is kind. He never seeks himself. He seeks our good. He's not easily angered. Hallelujah. He keeps no record of our wrongs. Hallelujah. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres on our behalf. This is who our Father is. And it's the Father that gives identity to a family. It's the Father that sets the culture of a home. And so this is the family code. This is the family culture. It's a culture of love. And I want to tell you, it is not natural to our human thinking. Because it's supernatural. And it's meant to be so. We cannot conjure it up in our own strength. It's just when we know that this is who he is, and when we experience that this is who he is, and we freely receive that this is who he is to us, we actually can't help but freely give it. We can't help but freely be it to one another. And since we have become grateful recipients of the Father's love in all these ways, because you are, whether you know it or not. Do you know that every day when you wake up, this is God to you? That every day when you wake up, he loves you first. That every day when you wake up, he's already being kind. He's he's already being patient with you. And in the middle of your best and worst moments, he's being kind and he's being patient for you. So every day you're already experiencing this. Did you know? So freely you are receiving, now freely you get to give. And, but when you take note of how patient he's been, it softens your heart, doesn't it? When you take note of how kind he is. If you ever listen to a guy named Graham Cook, he always says this. God is the kindest person I've ever met. That is the absolute 110% truth. God is the kindest person you will have ever met. And if that's not yet your experience, you need to go to God and say, God, show me how kind you are, because I have not been seeing it. Doesn't mean he hasn't been being it, because he has. But once you ask, he will open your eyes, and you'll be like, God is the kindest person I've ever met. He is so kind And so then when we see and understand how kind he is being with us moment by moment by moment by moment by moment, he is kind to us, we we will be softened to be kind, you know, to be unexpected and give unearned kindness to others around us. 
I think my favorite piece and most challenging piece of this code is that he keeps no record. We like to keep a record. We keep records on ourselves, And we think God's got the same list. And we start thinking and talking about all the things we did wrong. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Did you know that? So stop trying to talk to God about stuff he forgot. <laughs> That's funny. Why? Why does he not keep a record? Because Jesus. Jesus' blood was enough. Jesus' blood was enough for all the sins and wrongdoings you've ever done and never will do. It was enough. And it will always be enough. Love always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. That's what love does. What does love look like? This. I want to read it in, a, in another version. Uh, the Amplified, Sister Teresa of Hazlitt. She's a proud proponent of the Amplified version. Um, but this says it so good that it's worth repeating the whole verse again. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 7. And, and I promise we're winding this to a close. But I like this because I think it speaks to us right where we are. And when we're dealing with real human beings that aren't always easy to practice loving. We remember who he is, and we remember who he's calling us to be. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best about every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it, love, endures everything without weakening. This is what love does. This is what the Father does. This is who the Father is, and you know what? This is who we are. This is who we're becoming, and the opportunities to grow are all around. We're learning and we're growing, and it's good. We have a way to grow, and grow we must, but love is the compelling factor that we must have. Let me just say a couple more things about it. But remember again, this is in the context of the family of God. Sometimes it's easier to show kindness to someone we don't know, a stranger on the street. But it's when we have experience and history with people that maybe didn't always feel so good. It's easier to keep a record. It's easier to not want to be kind. But be, be sure that this passage was written to believers. It was written to the family of God. And, and it, it, beyond loving God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is the call to the people of God. It is the compelling factor that we must say yes to help us, Lord, grow in this. Help us to live in this. Help us to be this because it's the one thing the world can't manufacture. And it's what is needed for people to rightly see Jesus. 
because it's not natural. It's supernatural. Why would you be kind to that person? Why would you love that person? How could you believe the best about them? Because I've been loved. Freely, freely, undeserved love. I have received mercy. And when I woke up today, I received fresh mercy. And tomorrow when I wake up, it's new mercy. How can I not be kind to that person? How can I not believe the best about them today? Because when I received fresh mercies today, so did they. And do I get to put myself above God and his judgment? No way. I want to challenge you. I gave a challenge at the end of the last one to spend time being with the Father this challenge I want to issue um, as I wrap up this one is to think about and ask God to show you, as I already said, how kind he has been. Take time actually thinking about it. Don't just leave this room, like, oh, it's a great message. No, take time to think about that. Think, take some time to think about how has God been patient with me? Take some time to meditate on how Jesus, the Son of God, the royal one who sits on the throne forever, did not seek his own that he was selfless for our good, and how he has kept no record of our wrongs. Like literally sit and think about it. Sit and meditate on it. Sit and let your heart be softened by the reality daily. Because as you do, you'll see him more. You'll experience him more. Your heart will be softened to be more like him. This is sort of a, as we behold him, we become like him. That's beholding him. When you remember how he is related to you, when you remember how he's worked in your life, that's a beholding. It's setting the eyes of your heart on him. And when you do it, you can't help but become more like him. And I want to encourage you to take the family code and make it your lens. As you look at other people, as you think about them in your own brain, this needs to be the filter. Is that thought I'm having a protecting thought? Is it a trusting thought? Is it a hoping thought? Am I always believing for that person? Do I have hope for that person? If not, then my, my filter's wrong. My lens is wrong. I'm not seeing them through the eyes of love. I'm not loving them with my thoughts. It starts there with your, your thinking, then it comes to your feeling. I feel hopeful about that person. I want to believe the best about that person. And then it will come out interacting. But my challenge is take time daily thinking on these realities of God so that you can let them permeate who you are. Let them become more of who you are. You have a father who loves you. And you have a people you belong to. And that changes everything. Can we stand? Meredith, would you mind just... I meant to ask you earlier. I just always forget. You have a father who loves you and a family you belong to, and that changes everything, my friends. This is the best news. It is hope for the world, literally. It is the healing we all need individually, culturally, societally. Let's just respond to the Lord in prayer, if you would, with me. Whenever you're ready. Father, we thank you. Father in heaven, we thank you 
that you are our Father and that you loved us first. Thank you that you drew us to yourself. We did not find you on our own. We thank you that you chose us and called us and redeemed us because it was your good pleasure to do so and not on any merit of our own. Thank you, Jesus. We remember your goodness. Just as we're here in this moment, I just want to give an opportunity if you have not yet come into the family of God by faith in Jesus, that you can come today. You can say yes. The door is open. The invitation is made. And I would hate for you to leave here without making a choice to step in to the goodness of God, our Father, to step into his family. If you're here today and you say, that's me, I want to say yes. I want to walk in. I haven't said yes to Jesus and joined the family of God before. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. just want to bless you into it. Anyone? All right, well, I'm going to assume then you can still pray. God will receive you. You don't need me for that. But I'm going to assume we're all in the family and now I want to just let you give your, your heart before the Lord in a very uh, important way. Maybe you've been, you know, when I started talking about loneliness, you felt that. I just want to give you an opportunity right now to just invite the Father to come near. Right now, Father, we just invite you to touch the lonely places in our hearts, God, where we've been disconnected. Would you connect us first to you? Would you connect our hearts to the reality of your presence right here, right now, right here, right now? Not just in this place, but present in the heart of every believer in this room is your spirit. God, would you touch the lonely, hard, desolated places in our hearts right now? And would you release the spirit of adoption? And right now, I just want to, in Jesus' name, break off any depressive or oppressive spirit, uh, crippling insecurities and anxieties that may have been hanging on to you. I break right now in the name of Jesus. In the presence of the Father, I declare those things are coming off of you. You're going to leave this room freer than you came today. You're going to leave this room knowing that you belong. You're going to leave this room at peace in ways you've never known before. In Jesus' name, I declare the Father is cutting off those lies, those lies that tell you you're not good enough, you don't belong. I break those off in Jesus' name off of you, and I declare you are free and you are fully accepted by God the Father today. You are free and you are fully accepted by God the Father today. You are free and you are fully accepted by God the Father today, and you belong. You belong. You belong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just receive that freedom right now. Just let the weight of that fall off of you right now. Right now in this place. Just let the weight of those fears and worries, anxieties fall off of you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I even had a sense there is a spirit of suicide trying to creep into the minds of some in this room. 
And I just want to say in Jesus' name, I rebuke that. In Jesus' name, I cut off that assignment and I release the spirit of life, the spirit of hope in Jesus. Hallelujah. The spirit of light that dispels that darkness. Uh, we say that, that lie, that spirit will not find a resting place in any heart and mind in this place. There is not a foothold available in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There's not a foothold available for thoughts of suicide. Anymore, no more. You have to go. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, God, that we are fully accepted, fully known, fully loved. Lord, I pray for hearts that would receive daily, moment by moment, the goodness, the kindness, and the love of God. That we would become love to those around us. As we close, I would just invite you to do one more thing if you're willing. Um, just if you are willing, would you just gently place your hand on someone next to you? You don't have to pray out loud, but just release the kindness of God. Just release the presence and the goodness of God over them right now. Release the healing of the Father's love over them right now. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be intense. You don't even have to do it out loud. God knows. God hears. Let's just release that over our neighbor. Let's connect ourselves to one another. Release the presence, the power, the goodness, the love of God over your neighbor.